0: <laughs> Hello. Um okay, cool. So let's kick it off. Welcome to TNT, another episode. June 2021. The world starting to awake. Let's <laughs> let's get back into it. Let's uh, you know, let's start yeah. to get out there a little bit. So, get um, back into it. this is TNT. For those of you who are new to the show, each month we take a look at an album from the past and take a look at its history, its makeup, and its impact on society and time. Uh, My name is Tim Lessig. My co-host is Tan Nguyen. Say hello, Tan. Hey, what's up? I'm here, I'm here. Uh, Tan and I are are music enthusiasts, uh, sound enthusiasts, And, uh, you know, even harmony. We like harmony as well. So we'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So today on our show, the album that we're going to dig into is the 1998 album Super Ah by Japanese noise and experimental rock band Boredoms. And here's a bit of the first track from this album Super You. Welcome back in, friends. To oh, TNT. Welcome back. I <laughs> Don't like touch that. that dial. Yeah. <laughs> that is. There's nothing wrong with your radios, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. That is the first track off of Super Ah uh, Super U, the 1998 album by the band Boredoms. Um, Tan,
1: Hello. Hey, what's up, dude? Oh man, good to be back. Love This being is a pre recorded show, by the way, to out to all of our listeners who are
0: listening live. We're thinking about you in the past, even though it's now the future. So just <laughs> yeah, be We're live now, about. but you're listening to us in the, from the past. Balance that temporal uh, math however you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, so, so we're talking about the super boredom. Ah.
1: Yeah, super ah or super, it says super AE, but yeah, it's super uh, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh this is a Japanese band out of uh Osaka. That's right. Um they got started this album got released in 1998 but originally got started in 1986. Um released by Birdman Records which is a subsidiary of Warner Music. Yeah. And was distributed by Revolver Distribution who is distributed a lot of different uh indie bands and rock bands and metal bands. Yeah. In the early 2000s. Uh, seven tracks total. This is the fifth studio album from The Boredoms. And uh, yeah. So, is it, from is it Boredoms or is it The Boredoms? I've seen both. Uh, I don't know. You know, they have so many weird, like, amb- ambiguity with their members and when they started and all this stuff uh, yeah. from what I read. Yeah. So, who knows, right? And even their names,
0: like, as different members cycle in and out, their name shifts, like, a little bit. Like, at one yeah. point, I saw them called Vordoms. <laughs> Yeah, oh, exactly. V? So Yeah.
1: So uh, I think they're just super experimental. Japan noise. Yeah. Japan noise. Um, yeah. Genre I had not heard of. Yeah. Uh, noise. Um, yeah. And uh, many. The front, yeah. The front person. In,
0: yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, so many genres associated with this band. Uh so many that I wanna I wanna play a game later about it.
1: So sure, yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna read off the members that made this current yeah. album. Um supposedly uh some people have said that Yaman Takaai was the frontman of this or the most you know relevant front person because the band has always like shifted around. Uh, yeah. there was a bassist named Hira. There was a guitar and vocals yamamoto saichi and then the drummer which is a woman drummer yoshimi piwi um and then atari eda Masanobu kondo which was the executive production and then masayo takashi is the mastering engineer and then kaz venori akita was the design for the album artwork and they actually designed like a few other album artworks but some of the instruments included probably synthesizers percussion drums vocals weird drum machines you know you heard it in the intro like weird pitching stuff Mm -hmm. so this is 1998 so they were experimenting yeah Yeah, and
0: Um, kind of leading up to this album uh they the singer will go with i uh yeah as a as a shorthand for for him right. and appreciate appreciate you tackling all those names <laughs> yeah um so i uh you better
1: get going because we're gonna go to japan and that's
0: January, right December, so <laughs> this is
1: a precursor sure it is. yeah go ahead
0: um so i was in uh another band before boredom's uh right. called hana tarash uh mm-hmm. and they were you know, a very uh, highly controversial noise performance art group. Uh, right. Apparently they were known for their extremely dangerous live shows. Oh, yeah. Uh, consisting entirely of on stage destruction and complete disregard for the audience's safety. Right. So their their music was also just like very thrashy, very uh, sort of like crazy noise punk, like new wave type stuff. Yeah. Um, and early boredom's kind of, had similar vibes Um, there was no
1: container really right it was very experimental very out there very punkish kind of vibe mm -hmm. and this album
0: this album kind of started to mark like a little bit of a shift there where they started to introduce all these elements of like electronica and psych rock and you know obviously like after like post-production effects of uh manipulating pitch and all that kind of stuff
1: Um, right yeah. Uh, boredoms came out of the ashes of the band that you just said. Uh, can I just read a, what they used to do on stage oh. from the previous band? Yeah. Honest Rosh. Yeah, please. Uh, let's see. Uh, dead cats got sawed in half with machetes. Jesus. <laughs> Audiences were asked to sign waivers. The show was stopped uh, when I tried to light a Molotov cocktail on stage. Fortunately, photos of a notorious incident where I drove a bulldozer on stage, still survive. So, Holy shit. yeah, uh, this guy, I, is just kind of wild. Yeah, he's a wild man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1986. So, you know, 1986, they were pretty wild. Uh, I thought,
0: you know, early American hardcore shows were, like, pretty intense based on the footage that I've seen of those. But this is a whole, whole different one.
1: Yeah, out of the ashes, like, uh, what was it? this Red Bull article, this writer said, strange, scatological humor, uh, unlanguage, fondness of ambitious stunts, musics that feel like it might collapse on itself at any moment. Uh, Listening to the records by the band feels like staring at a jumble of puzzle pieces that could never possibly slot together. (laughs) It has like Gigi Allen vibes almost, like based on the description, you know? Yeah, and I... um, just to also say, they, there's a lot of comparison to Can and Krautrock, mm, specifically yeah, to this album this that i read right, about. Right. Yeah, so... And I um, I'm, I haven't really listened to Can. Are you familiar? With uh, yeah, I like Can. Okay. Can has, okay. like, a really good... The the singer passed away about four or five years ago, and it was mm. a really big deal. Um, But we came across this album... I personally came across this album through while working at Vice in 2007. Yeah, I want to talk about this too. Yeah, and uh, I was not, in 2007, I was into electronic music. I wasn't into like noise, band, rocky type stuff. I knew of it, but this was like totally off the wall for me. This yeah. was like just weird, like, what is this? <laughs> you know, but it was critically acclaimed by a lot of like music industry folks. Yeah, They had a lot of collabs and played for like a lot of, Bands mm-hmm. that are really prominent in the U.S., which I didn't know. Yeah, they opened uh, for Nirvana on some yeah, shows. Yeah, that's what I. Was, yeah, that's what I was. Sorry, I didn't to mean say. to steal your. your no, laundry. no, 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 no. I wanted to see if you knew which bands I was talking about, and oh. they befriended like Thurston Moore from Sonic yeah. Youth, and yeah. yeah, so the drummer from the Boredoms actually started another band with Kim Gordon from Sonic oh, Youth called Free Kitty. Yeah, so. I did read that uh,
0: Yoshimi was the influence for that Flaming Lips album, Yoshimi yeah, versus she, the Giant Robot.
1: Yeah, yeah, she played. She was a session musician on that. Yeah, that so it's wild. Yeah, like
0: that I you know a band that. So I, I had never heard of Borums. I'd never heard of this album. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I have largely avoided noise music, <laughs> for yeah, my listening uh, life. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, a just like listening to this album and like. You know the first like in the intro is like kind of uh, abrasive, and I was like, "Oh man, is this entire album going to be like this?" And then it like <laughs> it really just you know for the listeners out there, it is not. It, it really goes in a ton of different
1: directions. It's really yeah, fascinating. It, it goes. Uh, it's very. It's live. It's it's there's a live aspect to it, and there's like uh, a rock element, punk elephant. There's a, a element to it. There's like a freedom element to it. I mm-hmm. feel experimental freedomness to it. Whenever yeah. I listen to this album, there's a lot of good grooves in it. Actually, if you really listen to it, yeah, you know, you could really, it's like meditative and trance, like, yeah. So yeah, really yeah, I was
0: just going to say, it's really not like a, an album where you're like looking into the lyrics and like deriving a lot of meaning out of it. Like for me, it's just like, oh, like this, this section of this song, like feels really great. Like this right. is actually, it, you know?
1: Yeah. It would actually, I don't, I'm not sure how that actually the album got recorded, but I'm assuming this is what I'm assuming is that I got a lot of people together through various projects that he was in through different connections and just got them in a studio and they, according to the drummer, uh, Yoshimi, is that how mm-hmm. you say her name? I think so. Uh, sh- she said in a latest Red Bull interview that was like, came out like a couple years ago. Uh, that pretty much what would happen is they would set up all their instruments, whatever instruments that you would bring to the studio and just kind of just, they would pay for the studio time. They all worked part time jobs, paid for the studio time, go to the studio, set up all their gear and then play. (laughs) And then would feed off each other. It's like a jazz improvisation style and everybody would just feed off each other and uh it was like an iterative like on iteration on iteration of music and it what came out of it was just the spontaneity of what you i guess you would say noise but right. rhythmic trance-like primitive quote-quote primitive hmm. drum tribal sounds and um and experimenting with like a new electronic like pitching you heard like the pitching aspect of it and stuff yeah. like that it sounded like records yeah. stopping and starting and whatnot i thought that was really cool this is 1998 so yeah but yeah yeah,
0: yeah i mean the, the only band that uh i could really compare it to was lightning bolt um, i don't know if you're familiar with them i'm not familiar with lightning bolt lightning bolt is Tell like us. uh I, i'm not incredibly familiar with them uh it was one of those things where like i had a lot of friends who were like were really into it and i was like i don't don't know about this but i should actually go you know now that i'm like now that i've I've had a little bit of an intro with this album i should go back but uh they were kind of like a punk noise experimental uh two-man piece that played like in the mid 2000s i think they're still like they've like released stuff on and off since then but i remember the the drummer like wore this like gas mask for whatever reason and it was just like (laughs) But he, his drumming was, like, incredible. I will say that. His drumming was, like, fucking insane. But that's another that's another album for another time. Well, speaking <laughs> of drumming, I
1: might be jumping ahead, but Yoshimi Peewee, she's a female drummer. She's the longest-running drummer in the band. So she's as much part of the band as I is. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else has kind of, like, rotated. Yeah. Uh, but uh, from this interview in Red Bull, what I heard is that she wasn't, like, a... She, like was classically trained pianist but she wasn't like a drummer so at the time whenever they're first starting out they were playing a lot of battle of the bands Mm. type stuff and what she said was i was playing a lot of battle of the dances in japanese of course and uh i didn't know how to like level the cymbals like up and down to set the height so she would like sometimes play really high with her arms up high or really (laughs) low with the seat really low because she didn't understand that you could adjust the Drums (laughs) drums <laughs> and her whole idea and whole perspective on playing the drums is that like you're supposed to make sounds with the drums and if you make a sound. Then I guess you're playing the drums, right? You know, and her, her approach to drums were very, I think primitive is the wrong word. It's very, uh, cu- cur- curiosity. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Her, totally. Yeah. So, uh, she was just imitating what mm. she heard. Based mm-hmm. on what other drummers are doing. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And, you know, we'll talk about the, uh, the bow drum performances and like how, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is like such a good representation, I think, of what you're talking about. It's like, yeah. just inherent sort of feeling of drumming and less so about like technique right. and, and practice, right. you know. Uh, right. so, uh, fun fact about this band, uh, their name comes from the Buzzcocks song Boredom, which right. is, Pretty amazing, uh, because they're such different bands. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, one description of this album that I found was tumultuous space sludge. Right. Uh, yes. Like <laughs> I copied that one down too. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. And then another I found uh, from the Boredoms website. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read a piece of how they describe this this time of their of their uh, history. They said uh, boredoms began to evolve away from the chaos rock of their past. 1998's Super A ah evoked tribal rhythms as well as electronic sized kraut rock, a trance inducing right. set of songs filled with tribal elements. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Yeah, there's
1: <laughs> not, in addition to that, the frontman I, um, I forget who said this, but I'm sure it's on Wikipedia, the most trusted source, uh, was saying, quote, uh, i offers a variety of vocal techniques gurgles screams grunts and occasionally relatively conventional singing so it was all sorts of sounds yeah yeah and it, on yeah
0: i was just gonna say together. It, you know on the uh on the boredom's website they continue to talk about how i uh was involved in djing and like also like was uh, yeah. you know into the uh, japan's rave culture at the time too so there's like yeah just a ton of different elements happening
1: here a lot of different influence in 1986 yeah. i'm not even really sure like how old they are actually i didn't really look that up but 1986 sounds old and then yeah. 1990 uh, i 1993 collaborated with thurston moore on his static peace label and recorded an ep with thurston moore hmm. which is super cool from sonic youth yeah um yeah and uh another really funny thing is Uh, he would do really crazy experiments like he would take a record lathe and what he did was instead of like recording a record or cutting a record on like a blank new like vinyl record what he Mm -hmm. would do he would take old records and on this one occasion he took a new york dolls record and cut another track of his on top of
0: the new york dolls <laughs> record
1: so if you listen to it it would be like new york dolls and then some weird noise stuff and then new york dolls and needles would like go really by. yeah that's amazing so i thought okay. that was really crazy so i would love to to hear that <laughs> yeah that's it's it's an addition of one according <laughs> yeah, to the person who has a record yeah um do <laughs> so you want to talk about the label a little bit or uh, no or you want to go move i think
0: on? yeah no let's talk about the label i was gonna dip
1: into this song um let track. me let me just intro the label real quick because Perfect. I always think the label is just really interesting. Um, yeah, the label was uh what is it called? Birdman Records. It was started by a AR vice president exec named David Katz Nelson, who actually signed um boredoms and so boredom's got it like a a major record deal in Japan, and then they kind of carried that over to the US, and then David Katz Nelson like signed them uh, on his own label, which is the Bourbon Records, um, and it was an independent label. So this is two thousand, this is early early nineties, I'm assuming, and uh, he worked and collaborated with like Flaming Lips. He did. Uh, a bunch of collaborations with like Tom Waits and all this like other stuff. So I, I find it interesting whenever record execs start like really indie independent labels on their own and then like sign bands like the Boredoms because Boredoms, being Boredoms and being signed to Warner at that time was just like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, like, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Birdman. Burbank Records, uh, yeah.
0: you know Burbank, California. Yeah, you know this. This you know fits in with uh, you know analogs such as the Beach Boys and you know all yeah. those other great California bands. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but yeah.
1: So yeah. Uh,
0: so let's dive into uh, the third track on Super Ah. Uh, it's called Super Going. Uh, so I'll turn this up <laughs> for a little bit, and uh, you can enjoy this one. All right. back into TNT. Tawn and Tim. I get it. Um, that was the third track from the 1998 album by Boredom's Super Ah, entitled Super Going. Uh, this track is about 12 minutes long, so we're not going to play all of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, A lot of long. these tracks are like seven plus minutes. Um, and also, I don't think we mentioned this at the top, this album not on spotify not on your typical streaming services only uh this album isn't full on youtube however which is how we're listening to it um and there you'll actually find the album art which is actually really interesting um and tan i think you know a little bit about uh the guy who designed it right
1: yeah uh i only know that i was trying to find some information on the person who designed it but I was looking on all, all music and what I realized that they've done a lot of They have a lot of credits. Their name is Kazvanori Akita. Uh, I'm not sure if they're Japanese or if they're male or female, it doesn't really matter, but they've been doing artwork since 1972. Uh, their first design was for, sorry, my eyes are really terrible. Uh, I can't see the computer. Um, they did their first design for Boredoms in 1993, and that was the Pop Tatari album. They did illustrations, and then they did Super Roots, the Super uh, Super Roots Eight, and then Vision Creation Newsome. If you look at the album now, it's uh, I can, I'm trying to find a high res version of it, but uh, mm. I can't. But it's pretty much an outline person. With a circle standing on top of some form, with uh, the letter A protruding out from the mine. I don't know. It's very metaphysical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With blue and red, yellow lines. It's and uh, a lot of negative space on the top. Yeah, so, totally. And even it's, very. Yeah. i was just Go gonna saying. Even the name of the album. Uh, you know, we're
0: we're calling it. By the way, in which someone from the you know I read someone on the New Yorker talk who talked to I apparently mm-hmm. the, the, how they pronounce it uh, and it's ah and it's, uh, or uh so I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it ah, uh, but it's the letter A and E kind of fused together, uh, which is apparently based on what I've looked up is a, a grapheme uh, yeah. named Ash or Ash, formed from the letters A and E, originally right. a li- ligature representing the Latin diphthong AE. So, right. I still don't really <laughs> totally know what it means, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think use. that's uh, what they want to be known for, I guess. A little ambiguous, a little, little spacey. Yeah. Here. Yeah, I, I think what why this band uh, and why these groups of people got on the map or on the radar for, of so many people is because of this expression of freedom. Hmm. And really not really catering to the norms they you know 1998 i'm sure noise stuff was going on punk and stuff was going on i was i was in 8th grade i wasn't listening to this stuff but <laughs> uh there's just a, a crazy show. <laughs> yeah there's just a crazy show. so like yeah if you're if you're doing crazy stuff like song cats and Hat <laughs> on stage uh, in the TNT late 80s. does not endorse. This yeah, action, we don't. By the way, we don't endorse cruelty. Them. But uh, <laughs> coming from Japan, because you know Japan, as Americans will stereotype Japanese people as being very, very proper. Yeah, 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 and very tight, and yeah. you know, in their traditional ways. So mm-hmm. having a band that just did not give a fuck yeah totally you know? goes against that yeah yeah was uh refreshing but yeah. you know it, 1998 during that time i'm just gonna dive into a little bit of the political stuff okay, japan please. was going through financial crisis like crazy asia yeah. was going through the, yeah crazy mm-hmm. financial crisis but we could talk about that later yeah um but yeah um i it's it's something that you can just put on and let it play. You don't have to intensely listen to it, but I'm sure watching them live is a whole nother
0: game. Oh yeah, I would definitely encourage you know, people to go check out some of the live videos. Of, yeah, of the live videos. Performing.
1: There's actually an interview on YouTube with Billy Corgan oh, really? from, from the Smashing, Smashing Pumpkins? Pumpkins uh doing the MTV interview. It's like a seven minute interview of I and Yoshimi, <laughs> and it's just so funny because it's La Palooza in Las Vegas, and he's trying to like just interview them as a normal like interviewer and just get to know about the band but they don't really speak english very well Hmm. and it's just a very awkward interview of like two musicians you know musicians doing interviews is kind of an oxymoron because like you don't become a musician to talk right it's always kind of a weird uh, (laughs) yeah exactly especially if there's a language barrier so yeah yeah. uh it's not like Billy Corgan is the most like
0: extroverted,
1: like welcoming. Yeah, exactly. And this is when Billy Corgan had hair. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, this is, this is an old interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, you could, but you could kind of tell that he was like, kind of like, oh, you guys are the shit, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, like, you guys are yeah. badass. And like, It seems I like wish I... a lot yeah.
0: of, uh, you know, th- this album was, I mean, this album in particular was like very well received. You know, people called this album like a masterpiece. And it's it yeah. was interesting to kind of hear how revered it is by musicians specifically. You know, yeah, it's like it, Thurston Moore, John zorn yes. was like a really big fan of them. Yeah. Uh you know, you just mentioned Billy Corgan. They toured with Nirvana. It's like Yeah. It's interesting to to uh you know, I wonder
1: if eight consecutive this is, this shows this is me speculating. Yeah. What would you say? Eight consecutive
0: shows they open for Nirvana. Yeah. Um you know this is me speculating here, but is it because it is so different and outside the norm of what, like, uh, music, especially in the 90s when when big music industry was still dictating a lot of things. Right. Do you think this music resonated with musicians of that time because it was so different and so against the grain?
1: Um. Yeah, I think uh, it resonated with, like, people, like, from The Flaming Lips and, like, Thurston Moore and them because... Okay, 98 was post-grunge, I would say, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, probably. It uh, probably ended in, like, 96,
0: if you really want to get specific. Yeah, so, I'm like,
1: this album came Some out of the flannel call in Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to get back from what I remembered in 1998. And, you know, 1998, if you're touring with Nirvana in 93, you're at the height. You know, Nirvana was at the height in 93, 94, yeah. 95. And then, like, 98 comes out. Yeah, this was totally, this was like a pretty much grunge and post grunge got put through the meat grinder and got sent to the East. And this is what came out, you know, but their influences is like Sonic youth and funkadelic. They, they, in that interview with Billy Corgan, they were like, he was like, who do you want to see? Who do you guys want to see? And they're like, George Clinton. And then (laughs) she was wearing a George, like a George Clinton shirt that like she made, like with like a happy face or something like that. And said, George, Clinton. yeah, which is really funny. And it's just like, that's crazy that you guys are influenced by, you know, these these musicians who are so influential to other musicians, but and then you guys make this kind of stuff, which is so freeing. That's yeah. the only word that I can really describe this band and this album is just freeing well
0: in the the amount of different genres associated with this band and with this album is is truly staggering i've never seen an album with so many different genres attached to it right um so you know to to pose what the did they say you know what to, what to genre? pose a question to you what genre is this album tom
1: i don't know <laughs> noise noise thrash or something i don't know <laughs> Japanese noise thrash uh with electronic distortion I don't know what I don't know what the genre is but like I'm looking I'm watching this live video right now that's on Instagram and kids are just going wild jumping up and down so it's like it's a vibe it's it's a vibe it's not Uh. like it's it's not like you sit down it's made for the live stage for sure yeah Absolutely. It's the spontaneity, the, the feeding off one another, band members, and just seeing what crazy shit could happen and releasing the releasing of whatever anxiety or whatever that you have is it's present. And that's what it's made for. So putting that on record is a little difficult, but yeah. putting on records also it's in its own way, its own art form, right? Like yeah, they were playing around with a lot of tape machines and like do totally. electronic. And the
0: post production on it is like very clear, and you know, you can't right. do that live, so it's you know, there are elements. I mean, you probably right. can, some people probably can. <laughs> Sounds hard to <laughs> me, um, right? So, I, I, have a, I have a game I'd like to yeah. play, sure, um, sure, sure. So, there are so many genres that I read as, as part of research for this, uh, some of which I've heard <laughs> of, some of which I have not. So, I wanted to kind of test your genre knowledge and see if you okay. can define, define a couple for me. I'm the worst um. person for that, but yeah, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so, funeral doom. Funeral doom, okay. Funeral doom, what would you, you know, what uh, What would describe the genre of funeral doom?
1: Uh, in my own personal words? Sure. Um I don't know. Uh <laughs> Funeral doom, where where what in what context is this? It's
0: a, it's a subgenre. I'll tell you what it's a subgenre of. I guess this was a type a tough one to start off with. Uh it's a, it's a subgenre. <laughs> but every, you know, it's an all music subgenre at some point. Um right. subgenre of doom
1: metal. Funeral doom. Yeah. Funeral doom first off, I would be like Funeral doom, yeah. If if it's a genre, I could I could see that. See, it's a subgenre of metal, of some sort, like Norwegian black metal. Funeral doom, that's hilarious, actually. Yeah, isn't it funny? I I just I just imagine like a fucking sweaty like basement that's like ten by ten with like sweaty coffins and people (laughs) thrashing and breaking coffins with their (laughs) cowboy boots or something. I don't know. That, that, is, that is the uh, definition that I found for Funeral Doom. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Um, funeral Doom is a genre that crosses death doom with funeral dirge music. It played at an extremely slow tempo and pa- places an emphasis on evoking a sense of emptiness and despair. So not, not terribly far off from what you said, actually. Right. Uh, so let's, let's start off with, uh, with another one. Space uh, Space rock. Space
1: rock. I'm not space talking rock, about asteroids. I, yeah, space rock I think of like... I'm sure I would like space rock. and I'm sure there's a lot of bands that will classify themselves as space rock that are really good. But what, what I see as space rock right now is like really terrible, like late 70s, like disco. <laughs> trying to, you know, like if you combine ABBA and like... Fucking Peter Frampton or something together. Are you trying to some space sound? (laughs) Something negative about ABBA? Is
0: that what's happening? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not
1: saying. I'm not saying ABBA is one of the number one bands in the whole entire world, if not the universe. You know, they they did something right, obviously. (laughs) Uh, But if you just mashed them up together and added some space sounds, which they probably did at one point, that's what it would sound like. I wouldn't listen to that genre of music or ABBA. For a long period of time, <laughs> but I'll listen to seven minutes worth of it, and then maybe seven minutes. Yeah, maybe after the fifth minute, I'd be like, oh, "We gotta turn this off." But <laughs> so, <laughs> not again, not not terribly far off. Uh,
0: so, space rock, a genre characterized by loose and lengthy song structures, centered on instrumental textures that typically produce a hypnotic, otherworldly sound. Uh, otherworldly. Distorted, Distorted and, and reverberated, laden guitar, minimal drumming, languid vocals, synths, and lyrical themes of outer space and science fiction. So, right, interesting, cool. Uh, and so, the last one I have is absolute music.
1: Oh yeah, I I read about this absolute music. Oh, really? Uh, I not about the genre, but I read about how it's been just des- they've been described as absolute oh, okay, music. Okay. I would say that that person who. Genreize them as that is not far off. Yeah, absolutely. because yeah, yeah. like um, hardly it's hard to describe, but yeah, like as I was saying, like freedom, total freedom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. total freedom is absolute in a sense. And like, if you are enjoying yourself and you are vibing and collaborating with others at the moment, in that moment, there's no other. Moment that needs to be experienced, except for that moment. Yeah, you pretty much
0: nailed it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting for me, absolute music makes it sound like it should be a very one type of music. You know, it should be. A right. Way. Yeah, if exactly. It's actually, That's why it's hard to describe. It's actually the opposite. It's more like abstract music. So, absolute yeah. music is music that is not explicitly about anything, uh, which yeah. is in contrast to program music, which is like very much about something. So, right. absolute music is non representational um okay. actually this idea developed at the end of the 18th century in the writings of authors of early german romanticism so oh, it all damn. comes back to crowd Rock, baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: so, it's, yeah uh, those were
0: those were a couple i had never
1: a couple genres i had never heard of so i figured i'd uh, do some quizzing i like that game i like that game what genre <laughs> is this oh. uh what i really like about this is a good introduction to noise I, even though i don't listen to noise i don't know anything about noise and i don't understand right. like the process i think it's about process noise music it's about living the process and experiencing the process as it's being made that's what i think noise is but it might be deeper than that maybe somebody any of those listeners who are listening right now you can definitely correct us for sure we want right. more corrections and more oh, yeah. You know, call outs than the average podcast, I guess. There's no, there's or, no way that we're right about this much stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this is all hearsay from this person called the internet. Um, and yeah, like I would say this is a good introduction to other other bands from the early 90s and like other independent labels. And it just it's a good introduction to what you would call as like spontaneous, like process music. Yeah,
0: yeah, That's totally. I would. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. And speaking of spontaneous music, um, we I want to make sure we talk about and I have enough time to talk about the Boadrum concerts.
1: Oh, right. Um, do you want to do that now or we do it after another tune or?
0: Uh, yeah, I'll throw it. I'll throw it uh, in this. Wow. I will throw us into the album for a bit and then uh, let's come <laughs> back and let's talk about
1: Boadrum. Okay. okay so okay.
0: Um, right now, we're listening to the track uh, Super Are You, and this is on the 1998 albums, album rather, uh, Super Ah by a Japanese Noise Experimental, Undefinable Band. <laughs>
1: It's funny that we're listening to this now this came out in 1998 and you know if we were in 1998 listening to this album when it came out we'd be listening probably to it on CD mm. and, and uh, you think like skipping or something. yeah you probably think it'd be <laughs> skipping or something so uh, it's really funny that because it just keeps on going so oh, yeah you're you're experimenting and they're experimenting or experiencing the liveness of what's happening to the sound, right? And just yeah. letting the sound be,
0: yeah. And then it, and you know, I'll turn it up for just a second because it, it just devolves, you know, it just not devolves, but it evolves into something like. So now it's like more of a, a, a chant and like a, a dirge than, it, you know, the yeah. before. So it's like, at the end, it, in the transition of that, like in the, as it slows down, there's a riff in there a guitar comes in and it sounds just like a descendants riff
1: it's which is crazy because like
0: that's you know that's like a really hardcore and uh it it always like it always catches my ear and i'm like holy shit
1: (laughs) yeah uh can i read something you probably we already probably said something about it earlier but i'll just read the full thing about it because we've been talking about it so uh i forget where i got this from it's called the internet but uh from there super uh continues along with to something close to a concept album. Each track feels like a perfect lead into the rest, while the whole sense is of one long mantra-like piece, faster or slower as the band feels it. The big change is that the volume is not so much used to stun as it is to maintain a general atmosphere, while the rhythm section cranks along in a semi moderate style. A bit like CAN, which some even freer spirits at play, not everything is total destruction in the boredom scheme of things admittedly so yeah uh, (laughs) appropriate yeah so that just uh i think this came from the red bull article i forget who the writer is i'm sorry Hmm. but it's a red bull article and pretty much they sum it up so that it's like a big mixtape it's like an hour long mixtape live mixtape and their shows are always totally different live compared to the album because you know the setup is not always right the mood and the vibe is not always the same you know not not any moment is two of the same right yeah That's what yeah totally so.
0: um so as we alluded to and as as ton actually experienced you were you were at one of these concerts, right?
1: Yeah. So in 2007, I was working interning for Vice, and we put on this event called 77 Boadrum. Drum. I have the shirt somewhere laying around somewhere. Oh, somewhere nice! That's shirt. awesome. Uh, it was on an American Apparel shirt. Um, I was working the <laughs> uh, 2007. The merch table. <laughs> yeah, 2007. That time. <laughs> uh, so what? What the idea was? It was 77 drummers, full sets. Full drum sets, full drum kits. Yeah, over by Dumbo Park, Brooklyn Bridge Park. Yeah, yeah. On um, July 7th. before the, bef- yeah, on July 7th. thousand seven. Yeah, two thousand seven That's seven o <laughs> seven. Uh, before the right now, in the place of it is a merry-go-round, carousel. Yeah, but before it was just abandoned warehouse in a field of grass. Uh, and right now it's like Disneyland, <laughs> what New York is. Uh, but What the idea was, the concept was, you get seventy-seven drummers set up. Yoshimi was in the middle on a little platform, and then each drummer was coiled out, Mm -hmm. set up next to each other, coiled out in a circle, all the way, yeah, yeah, Yeah. all the way out. Um, At the time, I didn't read any more about it, but at the time, I didn't know what was going on. I, I, I'm assuming it was some sort of like drum circle, obviously, Mm -hmm. Uh, and rhythmic meditative drony type i i at the time i associate this band as like drone music mm, so yeah, whenever that. experiencing it it was like drone drumming so what would happen is she would start with like a kick drum or a snare drum and then like the next person would play the kick drum and you hear the kick drum it will go through that each person all the way to the end and then once it reached to a certain point or she decided she would add like another sound, like Good. a snare or a cymbal. And that would go around and and the drum circle would build up and the rhythms would build up. And sometimes it will get off, but sometimes it will be on. And it, it was like this time stretching of like drum sounds and rhythm sounds, which was really crazy to hear and really to see sometimes you see some of the drummers like not really understanding what's going on and one of the drummers (laughs) which was really surprising was andrew wk yeah it was at the time he had like maybe a year earlier had cut off all his hair and he looked like pretty much he looked like a dad (laughs) like he wasn't doing his white outfit with the blood yeah 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 it was after that it was after that actually and he cut his hair and like he was one of the drummers of the boa drum thing and like (laughs) You saw him. He had glasses and a hat on. And it was just like really weird to see him drum. There's, I'm That's sure there's it. a bunch of other great drummers that were part oh, yeah. of it, but oh, yeah. it was just an p- amazing like modern style drum circle that was done, and they did it again in 2008. So yeah, they did a, bu- a few more times. They did it in 2008,
0: 2009. Yeah. I saw a 2011 performance. Right. Um, in some of the but- other performances in later years, there are. Just like, you know, just like kids on cymbals and yeah. then there's like full kits and it's hilarious. You know, it's like this four-year-old little girl, like just like smashing yeah. a cymbal, like in rhythm with yeah. everyone. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was like a free form. Yeah, drum circles. That's what drum circles are. You, somebody starts and then you feed off of them. And what was crazy is you had people on Manhattan Bridge filming. And like, if you watch the DVD that Vice put out of the seven. Yeah the 2007 one you see footage from like the manhattan bridge and i have some photos of that yeah. somewhere
0: also what that, i think is that, funny
1: about speaking of that dvd
0: there's a book that goes with it in okay. japan it sells for 7777 yen and wow. then in the u.s it sells for 70 dollars <laughs> wow <laughs> how apparently, much is that in yen I like, no converted? yeah i have no idea uh yeah, apparently I, I said that the number 77 became significant to him when he climbed the Sun Temple and counted seventy-seven steps. Okay. So I don't know okay. when he did that. You know how far in advance, but.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was. It had to be something weird like that. You know, it was. They were very spiritual about their music, and mm-hmm. very meditative about their music, and very yeah. free-forming about their music. Uh, it. I wouldn't say they weren't trained musicians, but they're trained performers. They knew what. They they had uh intuition right. Oh, yeah, to gravitate towards what they felt was right. and that's what music is, right? The chemistry of a lot of collaborative effort.
0: Yeah, and this is you know one of you know, I'm sure there have been performances with with more people uh, you know, at any given time, but this is a large <laughs> you know collaborative performance. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a
1: large collaborative with seventy seven drummers with seventy seven drum sets. I remember like running around trying to find a fucking Japanese transformer for her and the band and rolling around in a black car before uber and running up like a 120 dollar like cab ride going up and down manhattan trying to find this like, like a power converter power converter a yeah. japanese power converter and like i was like i'm running like a like a 120 dollar like Cab ride, and it was like on the label, it was like no big deal. it was like the first <laughs> time I had ever like taken a cab like for that long all day. <laughs> so it was like really interesting. They were staying at the Soho Hotel, and like I met her and like gave her the transformer, and she was like really timid and really, really funny and like nice and stuff, but that's hilarious. Yeah, and <laughs> it was just uh it was interesting because like you know, if so, some band did that now today, like some art museum would like want to like be part of it in some form or way or something like that. You know, yeah, and yeah. they were almost like an anomaly. It's not like they wanted to be this big. Mm-hmm. They somehow like met the right people at the right time and were just being very free about it and like collaborated with anybody and everybody. Yeah, and the other uh, about it.
0: Absolutely, and I think the other really interesting thing about this is that in addition to the seventy-seven drummers. You had I in the middle, right? Who had uh, electronics, he had mics, and he also had what he called the Savannah, which is a custom built instrument. Uh, It was a vertically mounted array of seven electric lap steel guitars, and he would play them with sticks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Which is fucking wild. It was super (laughs) percussive. So, yeah. 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 It was funny because we were sitting there and it was a big show it was like a big like fucking like thing like yeah. you like you're like what are they what are they doing like why are they doing this they're so weird like why are they doing this in dumbo like <laughs> w- what is this you know what it was just cool you know it was just cool that they could execute something of this scale on like an independent level and yeah. and you know ex- you know it was definitely really cool yeah i definitely uh you know if you
0: People are curious what this looks like. Please YouTube this because the, some of the performances are, are wild. Yeah. And, and the way that they filmed them is really cool, too. Just like, yeah, focusing in on all the different people and like seeing right. how it all comes together. And then, like, yeah. all of a sudden they pan out real wide and it's like yeah. everyone like going fucking crazy. Yeah. Crashing symbols. Crazy. And yeah. It's, dude. it's like, really if you're, cool. <laughs> if you're
1: a drummer and you like just drum and rhythms and stuff like that. It's a kind of impressive to see. Yeah you or know, if, you I, know
0: if drums just like get you going that's like
1: Yeah, yeah. well like in the, I forget what the actual uh custom is called in Japan but drumming is huge in Japan there they have the big big traditional drums that they hit with mallets and stuff and yeah, yeah. it's just a big show and theater and stuff like that too so it was like a modern version of that Yeah absolutely And what's crazy is Yoshimi wasn't like trained in drumming she was just through intuition she you know became yeah. a drummer. Yeah,
0: you know? very much so, on that, yeah.
1: you know, kind of uh, punky
0: though, of so just like yeah, self Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, doing, exactly. doing whatever you can do and, and exactly. you know, getting together with people. So, yeah. Um, before we wrap up the show today, uh, sure. is there anything else that you wanted to add as far as what was going on in, in 1998?
1: Uh, yeah, 1998 was a crazy year. I didn't realize there was a lot of stuff going on. So, what's funny is Olympics is happening coming soon. July in Japan. Maybe. And Maybe, but in 1998, (laughs) the Nagano Olympics was happening in Japan. Um, Yeah, uh, women's hockey team won Nagano, beat Canada 3-1. to Uh, Japan was facing, like, a crazy financial, like, the Ministry of Finance, like, got, like, indicted for, like, bribery. Like, three of the people got indicted for bribery, and, like, there was, like, a financial crisis, and, like, uh, I'm not like laughing because financial crises are funny, but it's just like we're still kind of in that. <laughs> you know, like, and like,
0: it's almost as if and there are a lot people of people still taking advantage of the system. It's like, yeah, out of exactly. <laughs> and a lot
1: of people who were part of that committed suicide because of whatever it is, because of, wow, you know, because of traditional, you know, Japanese mm-hmm. tradition or whatever. You know, a lot of people like committed suicide. Right. Uh, bill clinton was in office to monica lewinsky stuff was happening over here in the states uh one of the oldest people that died died at 114 114 years of age in in japan hmm. um and in november japan announced a 195 billion dollar economic stimulus package uh for this was the 17th month in a row that the number of bankers, bankruptcies increased so that was in the end of 1998. Interesting. Um, yeah. And then they, they cloned a cow, which was the third. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, which was the third mammal to be cloned after the mice and the sheep. Huh. And Chris Farley died. Uh, Got to mention that guy. And yeah, it, it seemed after when I was like recollecting all the information, it was a lot of like financial stuff. 1998. Yeah. So Yeah, I could see that. Uh, yeah. You know, in the US, as far as music goes, everything is
0: very poppy. It's, uh, right. You know, it, it's and it pop and R and B and, and country. I'd say are, are the biggest things. Uh, you know, yeah. Brandy, Monica, Night Twain, Savage Garden, Janet Jackson, yeah. uh, Casey and JoJo, the Titanic soundtrack. Oh yeah, biggest album Titanic of that song. year, of course. Backstreet Boys or their self-titled album is that year. Um, in Japan. I looked up the top songs of that year as well. Yeah, and a lot of really interesting stuff, like power, like what reminded me of like early '90s, like late '80s, like power ballad metal type stuff. Right, was like the one of the top okay. songs of that year, and then like you know some also some J-pop. Um, yeah, so it was like you know this this of course is totally in in, in converse of that, uh, which I thought was yeah, really interesting. Th-
1: yeah, yeah. I it, it makes sense that they. They kind of got a following here in the US because Japan, obviously, Japan noise and a lot of that stuff. But like to even get signed on a major and doing this type of music is just a a trophy in itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So and continuing that. I'm not sure if they really knew what they were doing, but not saying they didn't know what they're doing. But they, they rode the wave, and they're still riding the wave. They're still doing a lot of it's stuff. They're still There's, putting stuff out there. Yeah, uh, Yoshimi's doing a lot of like experimental music and starting bands, other bands, and uh, new-agey-type, atmospheric-type stuff. And hmm. recording process and stuff is really interesting. So their concept is ever-evolving, which is yeah. cool. Which also totally fits their whole ethos, so. Yeah, so um, As far as
0: legacy of this album, pitchfork called it uh number 44 on the top 100 albums of the 90s right uh and then rolling stone gave it a four out of five stars and the writer of the review that i'd read douglas wolk called it a pounding astounding psychedelic masterwork the raw power of boredom's early records harnessed and directed into self-sustained riff-laden sun worship (laughs) (laughs) just kind of a guy i love that
1: Um, (laughs) So that well, was oh yeah sorry one more thing they're, they're they're not called the boredom's for no reason you know it's like you go on stage and you're called the boredom's you can't be bored or boring you know so like you know they're just, just know that to that you know, you know from game. yeah that's even punk like you know i love that don't think that don't think that they're boring at all so but
0: yeah love that's that. my last love word that. perfect i think it's a lovely note to go out on, on um so that was the 1998 album, Super Ah by Boredoms. Uh, the next album that we'll be doing on this show is actually, it's, it's big blockbuster summer movies are coming back. <laughs> we're going to do an original soundtrack. Uh, we're going to do the Blade Runner soundtrack. So uh, if you want to join us, play 80s one. The, all, the original,
1: the original. The original.
0: One, yeah, yeah. Just to be clear. <laughs> the original Blade Runner soundtrack it will be our next album and that'll be live on montez plus radio on july 31st uh so right. watch the movie listen to the soundtrack um if you have an idea have a correction have a comment please shoot us an email at tnt radio nyc at gmail.com uh Ton is on instagram as out of print records you can find me as tim glory um and we just finished releasing all of the episodes from our first season on our podcast feed. So, please, if you haven't listened to those, go in, download those, feel free to rate and review us uh, on Apple, on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, And we'll continue to release episodes. Season 2 will be starting soon. Season 2 archive episodes will be starting quite soon. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Do you want to
1: tell them about October?
0: Oh, yeah. So, in October, gang, we we have a special special idea here so our next our october show rather is on the 30th of the month real spooky so we'd like to solicit an album from the audience and ask which album should we do to celebrate halloween for uh october 30th 2021 so if you have suggestions please hit us up on instagram shoot us an email Radio nyc gmail.com so we will Ton and I will not pick an album. We won't do a show if we don't get an album. So give us suggestions. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So awesome. Thank you so much to everyone. Thank you to Ton. And thank you to Montez Press Radio. Thanks to Tim and
1: and Montez Press Radio and everybody. We'll see you all next month. Cheers. See you later.